Hi, this is Natasha Miller, founder CEO of Entire Productions. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey, listeners, great to have you here with us today on this episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Natasha Miller, and she isn't your average CEO. She sits at the helm of Entire Productions, which has been an incorporated or Inc. 5,000 list of fastest-growing companies in America for three years in a row. Natasha studied entrepreneurship at Harvard Business School and MIT and is a trained classical violinist and a company jazz vocalist, and she now resides in San Francisco, California, where she is a member and is on the regional board of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Natasha, a massive welcome to you. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to me. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Hey, so I've just said you're in San Francisco and California. Whereabouts in San Francisco are you? I am actually in Oakland. My office is still in San Francisco in the financial district, but we're not really going there that much. So Mm. Oakland on the water is where I am. Yeah, it's interesting. So when you say you haven't gone there or you don't go there often, how many times probably in the last year have you been into the office? The last calendar year. Wow. Well, 12 months, maybe three, and that's mostly to check the mail. But a couple of times I've stayed there to kind of hang out, but no one else was there. No one. So it felt a little uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah, good, good, probably a good investment at the moment, right? Commercial property? Hmm. I don't yeah. know. So it's interesting to see... People are not going back to the office and even leaders are finding it hard to bring people back into the office if they're struggling with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and what are you hearing from your peers out there in the marketplace? Are they finding it hard? They are. And my business doesn't need to be an in-person, in-the-office kind of business. And and we were mostly remote prior to the pandemic. But I do hear from other people their frustrations when their companies were asking them to come back. I really haven't heard of too many entrepreneurs or owners frustrated that their employees don't want to come back. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think a lot of uh, leaders, listeners, they're, they're finding it difficult to bring people back into the office. And some people don't want to come back in, but what I think a lot of organizations are finding is that they can work remotely and it's working okay and it's going good. So. Yeah. And you play the violin and also you're a a vocalist. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I started playing the violin in fourth grade and it was a remarkable 
situation because in America right now, there isn't free music education in the public school districts. So growing up in the middle of the country, there's a lot of money and support for that. My family wasn't on the, you know, financially solid side. So being able to play the violin, take private lessons and group lessons and play in the orchestra and the chamber orchestra and a string quartet that really saved, made and saved my life. Mm, mm. It's interesting, eh? Um, well, when you say save your life, what, what do you mean? Well, I had not the best experience as a young person growing up in a challenging family situation. And the violin gave me focus. It gave me a passion. It gave me a place to go. I practiced for hours and hours on end, sometimes in my room, but sometimes I went to a practice room. And I'd say I was disciplined, but I also had a need, a passion, and maybe even a little bit of an addiction, which was, you know, going in my favor <laughs> to yep. be addicted to something like that. Yeah, it almost sounds like it was an escape for you, but at the same time, you were growing a skill, a talent. But probably three words that I think I sort of picked up from there was the discipline, the focus, and the consistency that you were doing on a regular basis, of course, to, to, to get and, and do that. So, yeah, interesting how we all go through different journeys in life and, and how things sort of shape us as well. Okay, good. So let's get into this. I've got some questions for you. And how did you get into leadership? I think leadership came to me as a young person who had to be on their own at 16 years old. I had to learn how to read and sign a lease for an apartment. I had to learn that the lights and the heat and the electricity didn't just come on. That was a shocker. <laughs> I had no idea that yep. that wasn't just built in. So I think the leadership started there, having to work full-time as a young person and pay all the bills. That is leadership skill, right? And managing your life. Then becoming concert master of an orchestra. That is a, a severe leadership role that was kind of scary, honestly. I wasn't prepared for it and it made me grow. It showed me though, something that's really important. And I think a lot of people don't understand if they're not leaders and if they're not leaders of a company is that yes, it looks shiny and wonderful. And yes, it's a great honor, but there's a lot of pressure with that. And there's also a lot of, sometimes there's not support. So being concert master of an orchestra in college, let's say, for instance, you walk onto the stage, you stand up, you're the one telling everyone to tune in, whether they're in tune or not. You're the one who's telling how the bow strokes should go and what the fingerings are. And there can be some backlash. <laughs> so you aren't necessarily the most popular person as in business, as a leader. Yeah, what do you mean I'm not in tune? I'm in tune. I can imagine the conversations and what's going on. But, <laughs> but I actually love the example or the, the actual metaphor there as well, which is a live example for you. But I think for the listeners, it's a great example whereby as a leader, we have people in our organization that play different roles. So there's what an orchestra, there's different players, mm -hmm. different instruments that they bring in, different talent. But then there are people in behind those instruments. And then there are egos and then there are <laughs> feelings and people. So there's a lot for opinions. us. Opinions. <laughs> yeah, very good. And there's a lot of things for us to go through and, and experience. Yeah. And it actually does. And I, and I love the other piece too, which is you go on stage first. You're the one that first stands up. That's what a leader does, that they stand up and they get on things and, and then we'll bring everybody else together. But then the other analogy part of that is, because I love it, I love that you share that. You're going down the rabbit hole of the analogies and I'm here for it. <laughs> I love it. Because the thing here is 
once, because you actually said something that sometimes are out of tune, but when everybody is in tune and everyone's doing their role really well, it's just a beautiful sound. Magic. Magic happens for everyone, for all the players, for the conductor, for the concertmaster, for the listeners. It is quite magical. Mm. That's a nice way of putting it. Magical. Yeah, very much so. So that's why I think it's a great example of what you just shared there, because the orchestra is where it plays music. And, and if somebody is out of, out of tune or out of time, can you tell? Absolutely. Everyone can tell. Everyone except for the person necessarily that is. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. Depending on what your ear and your capability of is, I, I'm not, I don't have perfect pitch. And those that do actually suffer quite a bit because a lot of things are hard to get to perfection, right? And in business for me and in performing, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for excellence. So we're kind of going down a rabbit hole, but if you have perfect pitch and you hear a pitch that is slightly out of tune, it's very difficult to live with. So I'm thankful I don't have that actually. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, that's good to hear because our neighbors, kids, both sides of the neighbors, the kids <laughs> are playing the violin and they're practicing. And at times we're sitting outside because it's summer here at the moment and we're going like, ooh. <laughs> and then the other times we're like, oh, that's so good. Good on them. <laughs> and you can see them and hear them growing, which is really interesting. But they keep practicing. They keep doing the discipline, the focus, the consistency side of things of all, all the time as well. Okay, so the ma- the concert master and what about other leadership things? How, I mean, when you said you sort of came into those roles, what other things have you experienced around leadership? So the next step from that would be leading my string quartet, which was very crucial in my business journey, because I was getting all the gigs, I was getting all the clients, I was putting out the contracts, I was selecting the music, I was arranging the music, I was copying the music, I was doing all the work, all the management, all the production, and then I would hire people and their job was to come on time to the right place, wearing the right clothing, having the right Don't forget your cello. These things happen, by the way. And following my lead. And actually, if you think about it, and a lot of people listening to this might not understand this, but if you're playing at a wedding, it is a very carefully timed situation. And you have to have the feeling for when to stop and start a song. So you're playing a classical piece as the bride and the father, let's just say, and all of the wedding party is coming down. But if you are not noticing that everyone is up at the altar at a time and you don't stop the song in a beautiful place, it's very awkward because then they're already up at the altar. The music is still playing and people are like, um, does the string quartet know that they should stop? So I think my leadership skills, especially with improvisation, being able to gauge when to do something and when to stop really solidified during that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's very good points. And you've, in my introduction of yourself, we talked about that you've been in the 5,000 list of Inc, Inc. around fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row now. So that too would take leadership around that space, right? Absolutely. And that's years later. So that's recent. We were on the list three times in a row at a growth rate of about 65% year over year. Nice. That's pre-COVID. We actually were given our third award in the middle of the pandemic, which was funny because when we found out we made the list, it was actually for the year before, 
right? So I own an event and uh, entertainment production company and my profitable multi-million dollar company went to a screaming flat zero in March of 2020. And I had to build it back up. Yep. Amazing. Eh? I had all of those leadership skills under my belt and it didn't occur to me at first that this was something that I could achieve. But once the panic settled and you know I had to make a plan, things were very easy. Actually, more easy than I thought. Not very easy. I retract that statement. <laughs> yeah. That must have been very hard to go from doing really well in business and then down to zero straight away. And so did you, how many employees did you have at the time? 12 or 14. Mm. Seems so long ago. It seems so long ago. And I had to eventually lay off six people. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very difficult, but it needed to be done. And that's another element of leadership is that sometimes you have to do something that's uncomfortable, that isn't going to put you in favor with other people that might make you feel bad. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, very much so. And I, and I know there's a lot of leaders around the world that have gone ahead and done that and so found it very hard because it's with people, right? I mean, there are people, human beings involved, and it's not always easy to do that. And yeah, so it's, it's amazing what leaders have gone through as, with their employees, with their teams as we went through into those lockdowns. Um, but as you said, leadership skills help you turn things around and get underway with things for sure. Let's change gears a little bit here and let's, let's ask you a question around who's your favorite leader? Now, this person can be, from, can be alive or from history. Uh, you may have several, but who's your favorite leader and why? This is a very interesting answer to your question because I didn't know we were going to go so deep into the musical metaphor, but I think the universe has arranged for this all to culminate with the answer. Diane Pope, who was an incredible orchestra conductor for me in high school, junior high and high school. Now, the reason why she was such a great conductor and she's still living is she really inspired a bunch of hormonal kids, right? To to not only play in tune, but play with passion and be dedicated and be disciplined. And she saw in me something that was special. Now, I think she may have also seen that I was struggling at home. And what she did was she arranged for me to study with a college professor at Drake University in eighth grade. That was terrifying, but so good for me. And I said, yes, I don't know how I had the, you know, the goal to do that, but I guess under her guidance, I felt safe, but that was just extremely terrifying. But to watch her manage us humans, (laughs) pull out the most music possible, and then show up at the podium during concerts in a ball gown with her hair done, just gorgeous. She was beautiful. And I didn't know at the time that being a female conductor was a rare situation, especially back then. I think it still is, but she was brilliant. And I think I learned leadership skills as well as grace, as well as how what you wear actually can make a difference. Mm, mm, yeah, beautiful. And I, and I love the fact about the grace and about the fact that what you wear make, can make you beautiful and out there. But also it sounds like, and I don't know, you, you tell me, but it sounded like to me, because I'm sort of summarizing pretty quickly here, it was 
that even though she was the a, a woman conductor, she was just out there and did her best with the team and did it with grace, which is which is a great way to do it. That's excellent. What a wonderful example and role model for for people to to, to follow. And we have the college that I went to. When I say college in this country, when we say college, it's a high school, an equivalent to oh. the US. We call it college. We call college university, right? And and so when I went to college here, we had a, a sort of a, a Latin sort of saying, which was limited, upset, et imperiati, which meant was take the light and pass it on. So it's almost like Diane Pope has given you the light or and was taking the light and they are now pass it on to you. I love that. Mm. Yes. And I actually really do highlight and write about her in my memoir that's coming out in March. And, you know, not everyone in my life got to make it into the book. It would have been <laughs> a 3,000 plus plus page memoir of so, but she really was that beacon of light and I'm happy to pass on the light after her. That's, that's wonderful. Well done. Alrighty. So the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, what does it mean to you? It's more of a personal thought rather than an organizational or a global thought of leadership. And for me, what I learned over the pandemic, which we're still in, by the way, is not that I have to remind you, but is that I now understand more specifically that the people in your organization are the absolute most precious gem to protect and develop. I know in, in the world of entrepreneurship, that said a lot, but I'm not sure if it's really focused on in big business and larger businesses. And I can see how it would be a challenge because there's so many layers of management and there's a whole group of people that upper management have no idea who that is. I'm wondering if what I actually realized as an experience that the people that work for my company are the most important thing, if that will ripple through all businesses of all sizes in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well said. I think you're totally right. And if you think about, if I take think about the events and entertainment business that you're you're in and, and been in and and so forth, what you actually do in events and entertainment is that you create an experience for people. That's what's happening. And then, so you've used the words just now about an experience for those employees or for the members of the team and so forth. And I think you're so right. The bigger the organization gets, they they start to forget about that experience, about about people and about the individuals. And then I see a lot of organizations talking about their customers and stakeholders and sales, and they always leave people to the last piece. And I think that that should be one of the first pieces, right? Because they are the most important thing. If you don't have the right people on board, it ain't going to work. If you don't actually have people on board, it doesn't going to work. Yep. Yeah, I didn't understand that viscerally well enough, in my opinion, before the pandemic. And I'll tell you what, what has happened when I finally came to that realization is that I think, of course, my team is happier than ever, but I'm happier than ever. And, you know, sometimes you have to look at yourself. Sometimes you have to do things for yourself. And it's funny to think that I didn't completely get that pre-pandemic, but we all are on this journey and we have different milestones and different pacing to get to them. And I guess I'm just a slightly light, late bloomer. Well, the, the thing here is that, as you said, we all learn, but we all learn at different stages, right? And I think it's just great to hear leaders saying that they've learned from something and now I can move on and do things and, and so forth, which is, which is good, right? Because as leaders, sometimes there are some leaders 
Tasha, I've done an email, or an email, an episode really, uh, recently, which was in relation to take both masks off. I think we've got the COVID mask that we're wearing, but leaders are hiding behind another mask, and that is their title or their ego or other stuff as well, and they're not, not really bringing the true person to the picture. I think bigger success happens when you're able to let go of that mask and that ego and realize that it actually is doing you a service rather than a disservice. So again, that takes t- that comes with time and wisdom. There you go, listeners. Let go. And then you'll start to see bigger success happening for you as we go through. So Natasha, here's another question for you. Because you know how we we refer to the pandemic, but we're actually living in a very fast-paced, ever-changing world. Technology, social side of things, business, everything's just getting faster and faster. What makes a leader successful today? in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I think absolutely knowing that you have to roll and change and learn with the times, not just now, right? We're exploding into the metaverse. We're exploding into cryptocurrency, NFTs. And a lot of these words are not familiar enough to a lot of people yet, but it is not our future. It is our present. And if you don't catch up with the present that's catapulting and hurtling toward the future, it's over. You're Blackberry, right? (laughs) You're Blackberry. You're Blackbuster. Yep. Yep. Be Netflix. (laughs) Yep. There's, there's example after example after example that's happening, right? And so you're so right. People do need to get on with things and move and, and roll. But as, it, as I like what you just said, that it's the present. It's now. It's not going to happen in the future. It's happening now, which is really interesting to see. And I think for a lot of us, and actually saying the introduction of the show here, is that if leaders are running are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And you're just talking about that right now. And I think that's an important thing for them to understand. I think I'm pretty progressive mm-hmm. and I think I'm pretty, I'm moving in a nice clip, but I am nowhere near fast enough. So I have to remind myself, don't rest on your laurels. Like I know a certain amount about the following things that I just mentioned, crypto, NFTs, the metaverse, but I could know and embrace and imagine and deploy what that would mean for me and my different businesses. And actually, I put an NFT project on hold because for my book launch, because I didn't think my community, my readers, my people were there yet. Mm. Well, you know what? That for me was a little bit of a, I kind of gave up on that one thing. Now I had a million other things that I need to focus on. But if I had the wherewithal and the strength, I could bring my audience into NFTs, teach them and prepare them for the present, right? And then have a nudge or a shove, depending on where they're at, into the future. But I just didn't have the bandwidth for it, to tell you the truth. Sounds like you need to do the concert master again in relation to the book and the NFT side of things and that and bring them in and and show them what to do and help them. So yeah, it's really good. I think in six months I can I can tackle that. Yeah, be cool. Tell me, when you said before about you feel like you're maybe not be right there at the moment and there's all these things happening in the world and all these terminologies, do you think there's a lot of noise as well that we have to contend with or handle? There's a lot of noise because there's a lot of opportunity and there are a lot of people moving to entrepreneurship, thought leadership. They're waking up, right? There's a lot of sheep happening, getting in your car, commuting, going to work. And that great resignation is happening. And I think it's people waking up to, okay, this is my life. 
there's no like waiting for it to happen. You have to make it happen. So the noise, if you get caught up in too much of the noise and, and you're drawn to all the shiny objects, I think it could be a challenge. But I actually think it's a good thing because so much is happening and there's so much opportunity right now. Yeah, it's interesting how we we look at that and, and see things happening. And so I'm going to change gears a little bit here because you and I have been talking about through the lens of a leader. Let's let's start thinking or talking through the lens of an employee. And it's going along the lines of what you've just been sharing just now as well. So how do you, or how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Oh, yes. Well, let me think about that for a second. So I own a small business, right? And I can't really speak to the middle market and the larger companies. And I wish I could. I I wish I could get in there and fix it. But I think employees now, especially during this pandemic time, are expecting leniency, freedom, and they should get it because you should have hired well enough to trust them implicitly. And I can tell you right now, I have that in my company and I'm so proud of it and relieved. Now, the expectation from them, there are expectations from them that I can uphold, but they're also allowing. They also understand what's happening in the world right now and they're not expecting big raises, big commissions. They're sticking in with me, which I am so thankful for because they understand. And also, I'm a little more transparent with them than I think other leaders are. We talk about gross margin. We talk about what everything under gross margin is, where that money's going. And they trust me. So I trust them. They trust me. I think instead of what the expectation is, I'm thinking what the aspiration and the hope is that employees get from their leaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. Very nice. I trust them and they trust me. I think I think it's spot on. When you see the, the larger or the medium-sized corporates, you just wish you could get in there and fix it. What would you fix? So I'm my very best self during a challenge. And I bet if I were given the opportunity and could multiply myself, which, you know, is very hard, but to get in there and look at the different levels of management. And I know for sure different tiers of employees are treated differently, right? Like if you look at a restaurant, a busboy is going to be treated very differently than the maitre d'. By everyone, by the restaurant owner, by the guests, by the employees. And I think looking at us all as human beings rather than where we are in that slot in life or slot of your career, it's a lot of work. And I think it's going to cost more money, right? I think it's going to cost more money to do an organizational review and a redo of how you treat manage how you develop somebody, how you reward them. But I think in the end, it would all pencil out. You know, it'll take some time. There's a lag, right? There's going to be a lag. I'm not sure if if big business and medium-sized businesses are willing to go there. Mm. And if they're not, well, I think they're going to have a rude awakening. I think that, you know, this, as you said, the great resignation is underway. Yeah, where are they all going? <laughs> yep. And so for some of them, I think over the over the, the pandemic side and they've been home working, they've also been upskilling themselves as well. So now they're off to go and do those kind of things. And then others have turned around and gone, you know what? I don't really want to be part of this corporate game anymore. I've had enough. So I might want to go to work for a, in a similar role, but in a smaller scale organization. So it's not so full on. Or 
I just want to go out and start my own business and be an entrepreneur. And we're going to see, and, and we saw this in the roaring 20s. We've seen this in the global financial crisis. Anytime something like that happens in this pandemic, this is where I think people become innovative. This is where they, they want to go out and then try something else and do something else. And then they, that's where we see the new innovation, the new ideas and new businesses being formed. It's what happened to me. Mm. I developed new divisions in my own business. I started other businesses. I pulled the trigger on things that I'd wanted to do and thought about before. I had the time and mindset to do so, but really I didn't have any more time or less time than before. I carved it out and I prioritized it. I mean, okay, you see the carving out and prioritizing, but was there anything else that sort of drove you, the the driver behind you actually doing it? Because as you said, you had time before. What was the difference? I felt like I was given the opportunity of a special time to enter and do some thought leadership and some new development. And I approached it in a panic. I was like, I need to do all of these things before the pandemic ends, Mm. right? Because there was going to be an end point. (laughs) We were told there was going to be an end point. So, and I'm still racing the clock, right? Because I'm still taking this time. And hopefully one day soon, I will figure out that I can just relax a little bit and let this play out a little more naturally because I have been hitting it a little too hard. Mm-hmm. Good on you for hitting it and hitting it hard because that's what we need to do. <laughs> we definitely need to do that. Now, if I get you to get your crystal ball out here, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think it will be more empathetic. I think emotional intelligence and really caring about your employees in the way they need to be cared for is going to be a pretty big shift for all sectors, not just, you know, small businesses. And I think there will be businesses built and scaling around that. You know, we're going to have to recover from this great resignation and something's going to have to change. Or we're going to see pretty big industries. I don't know if they're going to fall apart completely, but maybe, right? They they depend on human interaction. Well, well, now that I say that, <laughs> they depended on humans. But with all of what's going on with technology, a lot of that human necessary job functions are sometimes being taken away. So I'm not sure, but I do think that leadership is going to have to be softer and more less reigning rather than I demand, I dictate. It needs to be a little more complimentary. Yeah, very good. I, I, I love that, what you're saying that, because I think the big shift for all sectors is happening. Wake up if you're in a different sector, you think, oh, our sector's going to be fine. No, it won't be. Wake up um, because of things are changing and we need to be more empathetic, have that mu- more EQ, emotional intelligence, caring for people, while all at the same time being transparent, authentic and real as a leader while we are still out there getting our goals and making it happen. And as you said, Natasha, you're out there hitting it hard and that's what you need to do. So it's all good. So Natasha, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where do they go? Please go to my brand new website, which I adore, officialnatashamiller.com. Awesome. Once again, Natasha, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Thank you. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Likewise, likewise. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, we would love to see you there. And just feel free to join those platforms, those communities, and get involved in with the tribe. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. 
Look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 